now, the business update. After a difficult year, experts are optimistic a recovery is imminent, with key indicators improving. And yet, men everywhere continue to dress as if they just rolled out of bed. The economy is ready to bounce back. Are you? At Charles Tirrett, we have the high-quality shirts and smart menswear to get you back to your best. Try our introductory offer with three shirts for only $99, delivered free. Use code POD99 at ctshirts.com or any Charles Tirrett store. Hello and welcome to the Wolves Fancast. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone is good eight in the world. Unfortunately, we've got a bit of a, uh, a dewa match to be discussing today, but them's the breaks. Uh, to discuss this match, I have with me Matt Guy. Hi, everybody. I've got Luke Thompson. Hello, everyone. And we've got a returning member. We've got the the president of the Paul Butler fan club. We've got Mr. Christopher Mez Merricks. Chris, how you doing, mate? Uh, well, I was really good, mate, until, um, yeah, about two hours ago. But, yeah, not not the best one to be coming back on. We're glad to be back on, mate, yeah. Yeah, we're glad to have you back as well. So, just a brief yeah. bit of news this week. It, it's been a fairly quiet week, as it always seems to be. Uh, Neto's got a new contract. Luke, are we happy about this news? Yeah, fantastic player. Um, get him tied down for five years. It just increases his value if we are to sell him. Um, and if we're not to sell him, it means we get another five years of net out. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Uh, got called up to the senior team as well, didn't he, this week? So, you know, he's getting the recognition he truly deserves. Absolutely. Matt, I see you're wearing a Portugal-inspired away top. Mm-hmm. As Luke's just alluded to, Neto is now a member of the full international teams. Fantastic news, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's not only great in terms of Wolves' uh, kind of reputation on the international stage, but actually the benefit he's going to get from, you know, mixing with the likes of Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo and, and, and the rest, you know, it's going to be fantastic for his progression as well as then what he can do for us. And five more years, uh, you know, can only be a good thing, you know, Contracts aren't really worth the paper they're written on these days. It, it usually means just an increase in the price of a transfer. But let's see if we can, um, you know, make the most out of him while we have him, and hopefully he'll progress into a, you know, a real gem for us. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of transfer windows. We've had mixed fortunes, shall we say? Chris, where do you think Neto stands up as one of our, our signings over the last few transfer windows? I think um, they're brought in, they need a little bit of time, um, especially the, the youthful players that they're bringing in. I think that, you know, I'll probably talk a bit on about his so far. He's a breath of fresh air for me. He's a, a bit old school in the way that he just seems to get his head gets his head down and just legs it sometimes, which is, you know, you need that dynamic in the game, which is which is always good. But from a Portuguese national point of view, I mean, that's superb that he's got the call up. And it might just purely be coincidence, but it, it might be a contrast between him and who gets the call up. So, no, good to have those options. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I like, like you said, I, I really like the fact that he's the kind who gets his head down 
And when he's on form, I love the way he just drives the team forward. I think he's quite unique in our team with that. He's quite, he's quite raw, though, isn't he? Because with that as well comes a bit, a bit of a detriment to the way he plays sometimes. But I think he, he knows how he plays and he keeps going at it. And I think it's it's really good for us. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so that's all the news from WV1 this week. So I think, unfortunately, we're going to have to discuss today's game. Before kickoff, obviously, the team came through. It was the team that started against Palace. It was what we wanted, wasn't it? I mean... Luke, what do you reckon? Was there anything you would have changed? Sure, is that the team you wanted to start the match? No, I mean, I would have kept it the same, more than likely. We played well against Palace, so everyone deserved another crack of the whip. Uh, come half-time, I think we could have easily brought five or six off. The pace was slow. The, temp- the tempo was slow, again. Um, mm. The pressing, non-existent, again, similar to Leeds away. Um, that many loose, sloppy passes. I mean, I bet our pass completion was, you've got to be look maybe 65% or something. We gave the ball away that many times. So that was shocking. Um, we, we didn't win any second balls again, which was shocking. You know, you look at Leicester, they were sharper in every single tackle. Every single one. Whereas we, we, we looked a yard off the pace. It's so frustrating now, isn't it, that it's just so, so, so annoying. Because when we when we press high, when we are competitive and we're picking up the second balls, we look like a completely different team. We're exciting to watch and we're dangerous. Today, we was boring and toothless. That first half performance was absolutely disgusting. You know, there's no... Oh, we, we, it wasn't even that long ago we was having a similar performance away at Leeds. You know, so obviously the, nothing's changing at the minute away from home with the way that we're setting up. Um, but I will say the second half was much improved. And on the balance of play, I've come away from that game looking at both teams and saying there's not much in between them apart from a ridiculous decision by the official. And that's what's won Leicester the game today. Again, we've been done over by fucking VAR at Leicester. It's a bit of a running theme against Leicester, isn't it? It's that's three VAR it's decisions a, it's against us. Absolute joke. It, it's, I mean, how, how has the referee given it as handball? I don't want to hear the, oh, but it's hit his hand and the rules are rules. Fuck the rules because the rules are shit and they make no fucking sense. And anyone who's played football knows that the current rules surrounding handball in the box and offside are a lot of fucking bollocks. Simple as that. You see, just from the reaction straight away, I don't see how you can judge something like that in, in slow motion. Everyone knew it hit his arm. There was no dispute that the ball hit his arm. So why did he have to go and look at it? What's the linesman doing? He's right there. We all know it hit his arm. It was the fact that he was three foot away and yeah. he's lamped it right at him. I genuinely don't know what Kilman was supposed to do. And there was a comment on the commentary about arm in an unnatural position. Your arms are there to sort of balance, you know, and, and it happened that fast. He didn't even have time to put his arms behind his back. Well, you know, so as a coach, I would be on that training ground now and I'd say, you know what, lads? Like, let's take Troy Neto, for example. I want you to get the ball, hit the byline, get your crossing. When you get in your crossing, 
Don't aim for the, the man in the box. Don't aim for Dendonka. Don't aim for the opposite winger on the far post. Don't aim for Jimenez. Aim for the hands of the closest man. Because if it touches him and getting a penalty. And that's what I'd be coaching the players to do now with these rules. Because it's it's it makes no sense. It's not football. Mate, you can't argue with it at all. To be someone, no, but I was speaking to someone the other day who was a referee in the system. It, it was quick now, and it, it sort of <laughs> it was unbelievable the coincidence of today's game that he got pulled um, up because he didn't give someone a yellow card in the ninety fifth minute for a trip, and it, and he was pulled up and he said, you know, why didn't you give that? And he's like, well, you know, ninety five minutes, the team were getting battered. What what was the point? And the feedback was. We want referees, not players. He says you're refereeing the game like a player, and that's the problem. And if that's the problem throughout the whole structure, what chance have you got at the very, very top? You've got no chance, have you? You, you really haven't. And I think I can't even say the referees' hands are tied on this because, with especially with t- today's decision, that could quite easily have not been given. It wasn't a clear and obvious error. It obviously hit the player's hand. But it wasn't in an unnatural position. So the ref hasn't necessarily missed something. It's just that the VAR's decided, oh, actually, it's probably a penalty. Go and have a look at it. And then when you see the ref actually reviewing the video, reviewing it in oh, slow yeah. motion, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not being funny, but you could give a million penalties a season if you just watch everything in slow motion because it makes everything up 10 times worse. Of course. I mean, when we see the, when, I mean, Sky haven't made life any easier for us as disgruntled fans by showing us the footage of the VAR officials arguing the toss about it. You know, if 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 they can't agree to something, how can how can the responsibility fall and everybody be happy with this system that's in place when the VAR officials disagree in the civil war between them? It's just it's just sapping the joy out of the game and. We have to remember that, that this is an you know, football is an entertainment. It's not a it's not there to be you know we want to see attacking and we want to see goals. Understand that, but it's sapping the fun out of it at times because you just know something shite is about to happen like this. And the second it ha- the second it hit his arm, it was a you penalty. just knew you just knew yeah. like you didn't know it was a penalty because it was a penalty. You just knew that there'd be some kind of bullshit that would happen, and it's just so disheartening because. Rightly or wrongly, I'd have preferred it if Leicester had scored the second pen because at least we could have just wrote it down as, yep, yeah, well, we lost and we lost. Do you know what I mean? For that to be the thing that lost us the game, it's ridiculous. Top, top. I agree yeah. there, Matt. Like, if we would have lost the game because they converted the second penalty, which was a penalty, no one can argue that it wasn't. Um, you can you can walk away and you'd be like, you know what? Yeah, it was a penalty. But when you've lost the game to a penalty that isn't a penalty, that... Like back, remember back in the day, they'd give a penalty just because the ref was blindsided or something like that, or he didn't have a good view. And yeah, it was difficult to swallow, but you'd accept it. But now we've got to accept that it's been given after it's been viewed from multiple angles, multiple times, and the decision is still wrong from a football point of view. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. What, what, what are they meant to do? run with their hands behind the back. And then what we're going to do, get players tripping, falling over, smashing their faces off the grass, off the ground, because their hands aren't ready out in front of them. Then people will be moaning about that. Well, you imagine, he's legging it back to make the block. Imagine if he runs into the box with his arms behind his back, 
It's going to look like a robot. And for two, you'll probably say, well, why isn't he busting a gut? You use your arms exactly. to, to sprint. Mm. Exactly. And as well, if his arms were behind his back and, I don't know, the ball was played behind him and hit his arm, would that be a penalty? Because your arms aren't in a natural position then, are they? Because behind yeah. your back isn't natural. Lose, lose. Oh, you're actually lose, putting lose. your arms in an unnatural position then. Matt's in the nail of me. You are as well. They're just going to aim. For, they're not going to aim for heads. They're going to aim for arms. I would. If I, was a player, if I was a player, I'd be aiming for arms all day. If that's in the, the game now, then yeah, they need to. They need to review it. Referees, and I don't know why it hasn't been done years ago. Referees need to start being made accountable for the decisions that they're making on the pitch. So at the end of the game. Anthony Taylor needs to come out and say, this is why I gave that penalty, or this is why yeah. I didn't give that decision. And they need to be asked a question, well, to be fair, looking at it, you know, did you get it wrong there? Because at the minute, they can just do whatever they want, give whatever they want, and then they just go home. But they need to be questioned on it because, I mean, you could go as far as to say it's, it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's very much... Um, obviously, I, I don't think that the ref do it because they favour one club over the other. I don't think they're not being impartial, but it's a subversion of the rules. It's a bastardisation of handball. Even like when you look at the offside that was given yesterday, which I thought was probably the most egregious fucking offside I have seen oh. ever. Like you can see, it is a bastardisation. There is no, there's no longer the spirit of the rules. There is just the black and white, and it's it is kind of sapping the enjoyment out of the game. Well, and it's difficult enough to enjoy yeah. it at the minute because of everything else, but it's not helping. VAR is a self-serving prophecy, though, because referees are looking to use VAR as much as physically possible to justify its reason to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because if if they don't use it, they wouldn't need it. So that's what we're finding now. We're finding that, that referees, Stockley Park, they are forcing the issue with VAR to keep it relevant and to keep it within the game. And they're using it for the sake of using it. Because if you didn't if they didn't need to use it, we'd scrap it. Yeah. I I personally don't think VAR is the problem. I think the problem is the rules and still certain ways how VAR is used to implement the laws of the game. But the actual physical being of VAR does kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just not being used correctly. And the rules of the game need adapting. Anyone who has played football in a school playground for a professional club, a semi-professional club, Sunday morning with your mates out of the park, you know that's not a penalty. Mm. Isn't but it interesting? Referee, these referees paid now? 100 grand a year? Yeah. Something like and they're that. And they're making decisions like that. It's embarrassing. You'll back me up on this. I'm telling you for a fact that in the West Mid Prem, that's getting chased to his car. 100%. (laughs) True, though. It's true, though. Especially if you had a bloody video monitor to look and still make that decision. Yeah. But one thing that did please me today was once the referee had finished looking at the monitor, he came back on the pitch to indicate it was a penalty and you could hear Conor Cody as clear as day saying, oh, fuck off, Ant. So you know what, Conor Cody, take my hat off to you, fair play, because that's what I want to hear. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I watched the game without the crowd noise today, and and to be fair, all you could hear was Connor Cody constantly mm. barking orders. But you you can tell when you when you watch it without the crowd, the the faux crowd noise that he there's a reason he's the captain of our club. He, he thoroughly deserves it, and fair play to him for telling him it was a bullshit decision because it mm-hmm. absolutely was. Uh, but obviously, the second penalty, as already mentioned, that that was a penalty, wasn't it? No, no arguments. Penalty all day. Penalty all day. He I mean, just got uh, caught out, didn't he? And tried to make up for it and just dropped him down. He did, I mean, he didn't even. He had his eyes on the ball the whole time. It like it. It was clearly that it wasn't a malicious tackle, but he, nah. just, he fucked up. Yeah, he just chopped him down, didn't he? And, it was one of them. He got he got the run on him. I, I am I know he's only it's only his second game and, and he did have a, a good first game, but uh, I don't know. I just thought that if you look at Aitnuri and then and the full back, team just pegged him back the whole game. And I think it must have been really really frustrating for him. And and like I say, he had his eyes on the ball, but you've got people around you. I mean, you've got to know where you are. I don't think he maliciously did anything there at all, but a bit more experience, maybe. Did he have to challenge the world? Yeah. Did I think we're obviously looking at a player who's is he 19, 20, something like that. These oh, yeah. are the kind of things we're going to get. We're going to get one week outstanding, and then the next week he's probably going to be less than stellar. And I mean, he did have a, you could see last week that he had a rick in him when he, he chopped down Zaha, and you thought, actually, that, that probably was a penalty. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a growing thing, and and we got to be patient. That's there on the left side mm. that haven't played together for any great stretch. You know, they're going to make mistakes. Kilman's wasn't a mistake, just for for the record. But you know, they they are they are going to make mistakes. You've got to expect it. But it's how you bounce back from them, and um, we bounced back well from the second penalty. Yeah, I think up until the second penalty, I'd put in the WhatsApp group, there was a graphic that Match of the Day shared, and it was the 20 minutes, and our furthest player forward was Pedence, and he was still shown in our half. You could really see that the intention was always going to be, as it is every single game, to just keep it tight in the first half and hope we we get in nil-nil. But as soon as you go one back, it makes that look an absolutely baffling decision. It is. And the thing is that you've got to look at that that's tactical, that is. You've got to look at things that are in your control in a game. So Leicester have got a, a myriad of of injured players in their in their defence at the moment. And you, with the amount of games that they're playing, as in as we did last season, you expect that they're gonna be at this point of the season more match fit than us. They've got played much more game. Absolutely fine. So they'll probably be the more physical threat during the game. Fine. But we have the control over our tempo when we have the ball. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we have to play to Leicester's game when we have the ball. And it's a tactical conscious decision to be so slow and methodical and sticking within our, our own half. Jimenez is not the kind of striker that makes his own chances. He needs to be fed. So what use is it having him behind the halfway line. Do you know what I mean? It it just does absolutely... It's just baffling and it's so unambitious and so pedestrian and predictable and it can only be linked to one man, unfortunately, and that is Nuno because that's how he sets his team out 
Everyone's frustrated on the pitch. You can see it. Everyone's fed up of having to hold on to the ball. Jimenez is th- throwing his arms around like a stroppy little child because he's not getting any chances. And he's not being fed him either. Mm-hmm. And it's a conscious decision down to one man who sets the team up in the first place. It was... I, I can't agree more. It was 100% tactical. I'm going to pick up on eight again just so... The lad's obviously got a bit of pace about him. Every time he got the ball on the wing, he got a third of the way into their half and stopped. And then come back. And then Every come time. back. And there's space there. You've got Podence there as well. Have an attack. Do something different. But the reason that they didn't, for me, is because what they're told. It's because got to be. The reason why you won't bomb It's got to be. It's got to be instructions. And it wasn't until the... 42nd minute of the game before we had any sustained pressure in the, the Leicester half. Up until then, everything was well, our first attack, in our, our half. First attack was 34. Yeah, mm. 34 minutes, our first notable attack. Just one attack. No. That's just not acceptable. I don't think Schmeichel touched the ball until the 24th minute. And that even was just a, I think it was a ball that just ran too far over the top and he, he cleared it with his feet. I don't care what level you're playing at. If you're not making the opposition keeper even touch the ball for 24 minutes, it's not good enough. But we had we had three we had three breaks in the first half. We had two really early doors that Neto just ran it out of play, which was a bit frustrating. But then we our first break was three on three. I, I, I know people are frustrated, but it's all about decision making. He had three on three. He had Podence set back off the last defender. He couldn't give him the ball. And he just ran into trouble. We'll probably pick it up later on. But I thought Jimenez was shocking today. Oh, up there with his worst game in a Wolf shirt by, really by far. Yeah, I was, I was going to come on to him towards the end. But now it's probably a good idea. Sometimes Jimenez, and I don't know if it's him or if it's the players around him. I always find that if he doesn't get the service... He has a shocker because he's then coming deep to get the ball. And that's when shit starts to go south for us. I think with Jimenez today, it, it, you're right. The service wasn't great. But the times he did have the ball, his decision-making was absolutely horrendous today. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't remember one positive thing he did in the first half. He just did one of those wild... When he just wails the ball across the the other side of the pitch and it ended up Bolly had to tidy it up. Then they had the one V the three V three which he messed up. Then there was that floated ball out of the top which was landing on Nuri's foot for a potential Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicked it off. Then there was a cross at the end which he blocked. So he was actually defending really well for Leicester at times. <laughs> and I, I said it a few weeks well to be fair, I've said it last season and the season before. Jimenez is a fantastic player. Um, however, he does have off games, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Nuno won't take him off that pitch. No, no. He, he, out the front three today in the first half, I thought there was all shit to be fair. Um, but Raul was the, the worst of the three, then but Pardons and Neto are the two to come off. And you think, well, how crap has Raul got to be to come off? Is that because yeah. we've got no real options if if Raul doesn't play he brought silver on he could have brought silver on for Jimenez and, and kept Neto on because Neto was offering a lot more than, than Raul was I suppose like with, with Fabio he's still that unknown quantity isn't he for us 
So yeah, he could have brought him on. He could have been much worse, or he could have been a lot better. He's, he's, he's going to be even more of an unknown certainty if Raul's playing every single minute, even when he's shit. Yeah, it was, you are right. It was, it was the scoreline that kept Jimenez on the pitch. It yeah. was, it was still one nil. You know, and that's that's the that's the only reason. If you look at the scoreline and the way we were playing as two different entities, the way you'd have ripped up. The, the script straight away, you'd have tried something totally different. But the fact it was 1-0, that's my opinion anyway. That's the reason why you kept him on. Do I agree with it now? Because we may as well have lost three now. Change change it. You know, it was really poor. We, we're much better second half, obviously. But we just, we looked clueless. We looked absolutely clueless. And after they went 1-0 up at that pen, you think, that's going to light a fire now. And even the commentators were saying, you know, that may give off something. It gave us nothing to do. Some sustained pressure. That, that, that ain't right. So, how do you solve a problem like Adama Traore then? He's someone who he needs to be playing more, but he's not providing when he, he's coming on. How how do we get the best out of him now? Because I think that's going to be another key for Wolves. Mm. Is we need to get him more involved because we know that he is something special. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Traore has been quiet all season. Oh, Amble, sorry, sorry. If this isn't <laughs> given, if this isn't given, after ours was given today. Sorry, I'm watching the Man City Liverpool game. It's a blatant handball, <laughs> worse than Kilman's. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, with Traore, I think he's been he's been poor all season. Um, I thought today was actually one of his better performances because he, he seemed to be getting more involved. And he's frustrating because on his day, he's unplayable. But something's missing at the minute. And I can't put my finger on it. I, I don't know. Don't know. Does, he, does he need a start? I don't know. Because then he starts and you say, well, he should be an impact sub. Yeah. I think today, knowing how we set up in the first half, that it was going to be a case of we'll be defensive and we'll try and hit them. Actually, maybe starting with may have made a bit more sense because at least you've got that faster-paced outlet. Me personally, no, <clears throat> I'm not telling Nuno how to do his job. He's infinitely more knowledgeable on the game than I am. But at half-time after that performance, there would have been words in the dressing room. I would have brought two off, and I would have, I probably would have brought Neto and Pedens off, put Matinho in the middle, and gone free in the middle. Um, because we had no control in the middle of the park whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Leicester was just popping it around. They had an extra body. It was easy for them. I would have gone, then try all around Jimenez, but try all around more central. Yeah. And tried to push the wing backs up a little bit, just to take the game to Leicester. Um, I mean, obviously he didn't do it. Um, but I don't know. Does he need a, does try all around need a, a role? Would he be more suited more down the middle? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really strange one. It's a really, really strange one because you hear all the pundits and, you know, everyone and they're like, oh, he's got to play Troy or he's this, he's that, he's the other. And it's just really strange. And is he another one that will ultimately, ultimately sorry, fall foul of the fact that he doesn't have a natural slot in our team? Mm. Mm, could be. It's yeah. lovely to have. He's a lovely to have because there's like, there's no one like him in world football as such, but you know, at what point do you say, do you know what, mate? It, it, 
it's not really working. We're going to go down another route. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm saying, I'm coming a bit miffed with it, really. I think part of the issue is that something worked so well for us last season and, and a stubbornness maybe or a lack of ideas with what else to do with him. The best thing that Troy Ray did on the pitch today was when he cut in and, and was in the centre of the park. Um, you know, what's the definition of madness? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And that's all that, you know, they'll put two men on him. They'll go where he's going to go. It's like that bit in Future Armour. It's, it's not about trying to, uh, it's not trying about stopping Traore, where he is, you go where he's going to be, and you're cutting in front of him all the time because he's not a he's not a clever player like that. <laughs> he's got one thing on his mind, and he'll run forward, he'll run into the space to the byline, cross it in. There we go. We'll block him off. Put two, three men on him. You completely yeah. nullify him from the game. But let's just let's be realistic from him. When you've got a prize pony like Traore, you utilise him to his you utilise him to his strengths. So let's change it up, Nuno. Change him up. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting it to work. When it isn't working, that has to come down to the manager to make changes. It's like, why, why should it take four people like us and everybody else that will talk about it when the person at the helm who's being paid handsomely to do it can't see that? What sense does that make? In what universe does that make any sense? Yeah, I think that's the infuriating thing. It's not it, you could show the games to people that don't even know anything about football, and they just say he does the same thing over and over <laughs> and over, change it up. Like I, I agree with you. Mm. So we've spoke about the negative. Have we got anything positive to say? Anybody, please tell me something's going to change and it's going to be good soon. Yeah, Casper, Casper Michael made a good save, didn't he? That's about as good as it gets. No, to be, to be fair, um, you know, Samado continues to look sharper, I think. Mm-hmm. Starting to come in and, and command a bit more um, of the team and actually starting to be more of a focal point. I've been critical of him on and off the podcast that I think like defensively, I think he, he lacks. And I think, to be fair, it's what we expect now of a modern day fullback is that defensively they aren't going to be um, as superior as they are in attack. But I think he's starting to pull strings a little bit more. Um, the issue being, I think we could have played for 90 hours and uh, or a month of Sundays and we might not have scored that game because it just felt so pedestrian. Mm. I think, <clears throat> I mean, like it, you can take positives in the fact that we created the better chances in the game against a good Leicester team who will win more than they lose at home this season and will be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just really frustrating at how bipolar Wolves are. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. I think we, we seem to have another OK defensive game, as you say. We only really lost because of a horrific penalty. We didn't really concede many chances. I think I remember Barnes having one. I thought our defence again looked like it was on on song almost. Yeah. And and Bolly, I thought actually stepped up. Yeah, and Bolly had his best his game best of the season yeah. by, by far. He was the only one for me in in the first half that was actually trying to drive it forward yeah. and make a pass. It, and that was what was really infuriating for me with Neves and Dendonka in the first half. You've got Bolly like pushing up behind them, like playing the balls that they should have been playing. Yeah. At least he was trying to make something happen. And, and when and when our laziest player is the one that's trying to pick the passes forward, you know you're struggling. It's it's a situation 
that we're finding ourselves in, which was blatantly obvious, even from um, the short pre-season that we had, you know, when everyone was screaming and crying for us to sign another defender. Mm. Well, our defensive record over the last two seasons has actually been pretty impressive, very impressive, yeah. actually. Um, and again, our defensive record is looking very impressive. We conceded 9-9 in nine in the Premier League now or something, or 10-9. in nine. Something like that, yeah. It's not many. And bearing in mind, we conceded four in one game against West Ham. Mm. Um, I think Patricio, at, at, before this match week started in the Premier League, had the most clean sheets in... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, defensively, we're sound. But the season we come up, didn't score enough goals. Last season, didn't score enough goals. This season, again, not scoring enough goals. Eight goals in nine games, ten if you include Stoke in the Cup. It's... It's it's not enough. It's it's we need to become sharper in attack. We need to become more intelligent. We need to just offer more of a threat because we going on at the goal rate that we're going on at the minute and that we was at last season, the season before. It's not going to work this season. It's going to be a high scoring league, I believe. Mm-hmm. And if we stick to the trend of scoring, I don't know, thirty eight games, we might score say forty four, forty five goals. That's only going to be good enough for mid-table. Yeah, Roy Keane talked about it before the game, about the glass ceiling. And I think we, we can all see what it is, that we just don't create enough. And the same we don't create enough. We're not clinical enough. I mean, Neves' chance, it was a worldly save. The ball into Dendonka, and I think the commentator said, oh, he did well to get his foot to it. He had time. If it was a killer instinct, he'd have hit the target. Yeah. And there's a few other chances and that's really what's going to trip us up and will stop us from breaking into that top six. Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, can, um, analysis. To and people honest. will say, yeah, people will look at that and go, well, yeah, but we're in it now. Well, hang on. We, we've, played, we've played Man City mm. who, who have been, and, and Leicester today that who have been any good. We haven't played anyone that's much cop and we still don't put teams away. West Ham put put us away. I'm not saying they're any good, but, you know, a Premier League team, get the chances, put put the ball in the back of the net, took advantage that we were shit. We we don't seem to do that. We play teams that underperform. And we we just, oh, it's really frustrating. We just can't put them to the sword. I think with Wolves, the opposition are always in the game. Proved it against Newcastle the other week, Crystal Palace before then. Leads before then, we always allow the opposition to be in the game, even games that we dominate. And, and it's a strange, it's a strange dynamic then because I, I totally agree. But then we're saying as well that we're really solid. We're really solid, but teams are always in the game against us. It's but if a, you've only got one, if you've got a one goal cushion, that they, they are because they could just yeah, yeah. a ball could yeah. hit their arse and go in. You know that they're still in the game because they've just not been knocked out. Yeah, well, they get they get a set piece. You know, like Newcastle did get a dodgy penalty, like Leicester did today. You know, it only takes Leeds when we played Leeds for them to get a decision like that or a dangerous set piece, and it's a one-one game. Mm-hmm. When yeah. we, we need to be more clinical, it's been been screaming out for it. This is our third season in the Premier League now. And we're still not ruthless enough in front of goal. And as good as Jimenez is, and as good as Jota is, Jota wasn't clinical enough. And Jimenez, yeah, fantastic player. Don't want to seem like I'm getting on his back. But when you look at the chances that he misses over the course of a season as well. 
I mean, you look at Jimenez and, and like you say, he's a great player. He's a one in two player. So, you know, you're going to get a goal almost every other game. Yeah. But the game where he doesn't score, nobody else steps up. I'd love to know how yeah. many goals that Neves, Matinho and Dendonka have contributed from midfield. We know that Neves hasn't scored a league goal. Well, it, it's just not good enough. Of course, it's not. Like you know, I can, I've just said that about Jimenez, he's not being clinical enough. But if he's still going to get 15 goals a season, I suppose his job's done. Mm-hmm. You know, because let's be honest, we're not going to get a striker that's going to get 28, 32, 34 goals a season. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love it if we could. But if Jimenez is getting 15, 17, 18 goals a season, his job's done, then it's up to the one on the left, the one on the right, your central midfielders, they need to chip in as well. And, how you know, then you want to hope that your centre-half get a couple of goals between them, offset pieces and stuff like that. But if other people aren't stepping up to the plate, then... They did, they did a comparison before the game between Jimenez and uh, Vardy, and I don't know if anyone else saw it. And Vardy scored over 100 goals in the Premier League for Leicester. And if you look at the number of games, that is your difference. Yeah. That is your difference. There's not much between us and Leicester, apart from, I'm not saying Vardy in the Wolves team, but a block that puts it away <laughs> that on a on a really, really consistent basis. I'm the same as Luke. I love Jimenez, and I'm not getting on his back at, at all. You know, he didn't have a great game. He was a but but that's, that's the difference. Goals. Yeah. Simple. They've got to be spread around the team more. Other players have got to step up to the plate. It's as simple as that. Like, Neves hasn't scored in a year. It yeah. is on Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. Not good enough. Even if you're a defensive midfielder, still got to be getting three or four goals a season. I think we should leave Leicester there. I mean, I, I know we can talk about it for another few days, but I think we need to look to the future. Uh, we'll have a quick break and then we'll come back and chat Southampton. Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Welcome back to the second half. So, obviously we've got an international break coming up uh, and then we're on our way to Southampton. Uh, Actually, are we at home or are we away? I can't even remember. Not that it even matters anymore. No one cares anymore. No. No one cares. It's all much of a muchness. But yet we've got Southampton, who were top of the league until this morning, who battered Newcastle on Friday, but somehow only got a 1-0 win. It's quite an impressive performance, if they'd have put a few more... Was it 2-0 in the end, sorry? It was a very one-sided uh, game, regardless, against the team who we struggled against. Who should we be looking out for against Southampton? He's, he's injured, isn't he, now? Oh, is he? Yeah, I'm sure he's out. I'm sure he's out. Oh, yeah. 
Nick was Adams stepping up to the plate, are they? Yeah, Chai Adams. He's a deaf ball. He's no cop. Ex Blue Nose. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Gave him oh, famous last words. He did score yeah, a belter on Friday. He, nah, yeah, good enough. Sorry, <laughs> but he's not. He's not good enough. War Pro seems to be stepping up a bit, doesn't he? He's been one of them. Yeah. Has been there or thereabouts. He's always been able to to whack a free kick in, and and I do I do like him as a player, but. Yeah, they just seem to be clicking at the moment. They're in a bit of a purple patch. They're, they're playing well. And is it good for us to be playing them? Sometimes with us, I always feel that when a team's banging form, it can sort of play into our hands a little bit today today aside. But yeah, I don't think we've got anything to fear from them. They're doing well. It, and it just shows you how fickle football is. When they're talking about that, I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce their manager's surname. But... He's barely kept him in the league, you know, the last last season at least. And yeah, I just think they're going through a bit of a lucky patch at the minute. And like we'll I'm not, I'm not we'll probably beat them. I mean, they're, they're really on and off team defensively. I mean, they've kept clean sheets against Newcastle, uh, Everton, who were firing at the time. Well, they should be con- like congratulated for keeping a clean sheet up against Albion, who were fucking shocking. Sure. But they've also, you know, they've shipped five against uh, Spurs, shipped five against Chelsea, shipped three against Villa. Do you know what I mean? So they can be got at, but the problem will the problem won't be Southampton's defence. It'll be Wolves' attack. It'll be how we set ourselves up against that. You know, uh, and so listen, we draw a line under Leicester. Fine. I'm not expecting though that we will try and exploit Southampton's defensive frailties. But that being said, you know, they score goals in a lot of their games. Like, there's not a single nil-nil on um, for Southampton this season. And by the looks of things, there isn't a single game where they haven't scored a goal. So we, what we've got to think to ourselves is we need to be defensively solid. And fortunately, post-West Ham, we have been. So, you know, actually, it's the right thing to do. Actually, do we need to do the one thing that we've slagged Nuno off for and just make sure we don't concede? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a U-turn, isn't it? It is. I think it's. I think it's got the potential to be a really entertaining game of football, but then so did today until Nuno pulled up his handbrake. Oh, agreed, hundred percent. So, what sort? Of, I'd like to think. Let me. Are we at home? I know this is really sort. Yeah, of, we're at home. Yeah, we've we've shown we've shown that it's within our gift at times to dictate the tempo of games. In both, in both a good way and a bad way. So, there's no reason on the front foot. I'd, I'd like to... And at the moment, we have freaking, freaking fans in the ground. It doesn't matter where you play. Plan Wensfield Park, it wouldn't make no I mean, I don't think home advantage is a thing anymore, really. Not as much as it was. Um, I'd like to think, at home, teams still treat it as such. Like, they've, they've got an advantage. So, I would like... I'd like to imagine that we'll be more aggressive in our play. Mm-hmm. The will be higher. The tempo will be higher. We'll be chomping at the bit to win them second balls. Because when we play like that, we're actually a very, very good football team. Yeah. Mm. So, how are we going to line up? Is it going to be 3-4-3 three, three, or are we going to go 5-3-2? Do, do you think, do we, do we need to pack the midfield? I think any time that you play against a team with a goal-scoring threat 
like Southampton's, I think you do need to make sure you win the midfield battle to make sure that you're not being overrunning midfield. And then, you know, I think we have to pack the midfield out just to make sure that we're not just shipping balls through all the time, personally. Um, I dare say we need to play like we how we have and had major success in, in two seasons prior and look to try and just hit them on a counter, not play this expansive, possessive football that we're trying to implement. <laughs> this expansive possessing possession football that doesn't seem to exist. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> We've been told, but we just haven't seen it yet. I, th- I think you're probably right there. Um, I mean, so if we do go five three two, who are you dropping from your front line, or are you going to have Pedent maybe in a number ten role and go with Neto and Raul up front? Uh, how are you going to play it? <sighs> it's the one. I think people have been crying out for. Pedence in a number 10 role for some time now, though. Do you know what I mean? And mm. as he, to my memory, isn't fantastic, but has he really been given a fair crack at the whip in that position? Not to my knowledge. No. No. Today was the first time that Matinho hadn't featured. Mm. I don't know what, what the exact wording was, but whether every time he'd been in the match day squad. So you'd probably think that he might not come in. So whether that leads you to. Or will he come in? You know, will he think, flipping out, didn't play great then, probably need to bring him back in and change change it up uh, totally. But I, I agree with Matt on uh, Powden. Do you give it a go? Do you give it a go? Do you put him in the 10? Neto's been playing quite well. Does that mean that he misses out? You know, there's a lot of choices. There's, there's a lot of choices and... You know, it's up to up to the bearded wonder to make the right ones. But I think yeah, God, I, sorry. I, I would look to pack the midfield out. Um, I think it looks like Southampton just played a little bit of a four four two. So maybe go three five two. Then you've got I'd have Martinho, Dendonka, and Nevers in the middle. Looks like they play Ward, Prowse, and Romeo. So I'd like to think with three there, you can nullify that threat. Mm. Um, we're at home so you'd like to think we'd see the ball a bit more so that allows your wing backs to push up uh, and then I'd stick with Raul and I'd probably go with Traore down the middle with him I think that's a good one actually putting Traore on because they've got a couple of like quite big sturdy bastards in defence yeah. and actually Traore running at them and giving his all getting involved I, I think that could be up for quite a good battle to be honest and I'm sure it's that Vestergaard we played so yeah. I think it was last season or maybe the season before. And he looks slow as anything. I remember seeing him thinking, fuck me, he's slow. He he was an absolute beast against Villa the other week, though. Just an absolute fucking wall of a defender. He's a giant, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's like a big Nordic fucker, eh? Yeah, he's just a Viking bastard. Yeah. So, is it Marcel or is it uh, Aitnore at uh, fullback? Do we we stick with youth and, and keep going with it? Or do you go with some... Old guard, what do you reckon? We seem to we seem to have slipped, and I know it's only happened for a couple of seasons. But even when you had Johnny and Doherty, all the attack went on the right. Mm. Johnny, you know, attacked every now every now and again. It happened today with Nori and Samado. It all went down the right. It all went down the right. So on that basis, you could probably see Marcel coming in if, if he's. Un- which you'd say was he looked pretty sharp when he came on, didn't he? So he's not dropping, he's not dropping Samado. N- never. So I can see that Marcel will probably come into left 
left wing back. I think it'll be the right decision as well, not because of Nuri having a, a you know a bit of an off game, but I think you know Marcel just has that experience of the game that he, the man the game management and being a little cleverer you know youthful youthful exuberance can only take you so far you know because you can you know you can be as fit as you want to run around all day but you need to understand the game which Marcel clearly does not that you know Nuri won't learn I just think that we could be a bit cleverer in our um in the way that we utilize our fullbacks and I think you know prior to the prior to the to the Leicester game I would have started Marcel on the basis that knowing how dangerous Leicester are in attack and with their with their defensive um, injury list, you know that they're going to try and score as many as possible because they they will concede. Obviously, they didn't. Um, but I would, I'd go on Marcel for me, and then if we're looking like we're having a lot of joy down that wing, then take you know take him off at 60, 65 and get Nuri on to have a final twenty five minute flurry. It's a good idea. Use him as the super sub for a change. No harm in trying something different, is that? Even if uh, they seem to be allergic to doing that. Yeah. So prediction time. I I hate to be negative, but I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Uh, Matt, what do you reckon? I think a one-one draw is is absolutely. I don't think it is negative. I think it's realistic. Um, I expect us to come out with a little bit more firepower, and I, you know, Nuno has looked like a bit of a sad little panda for the last few games now he doesn't look happy doesn't like he's enjoying the football that we're playing I don't think he goes home and thinks you know what well we lost but we played well I don't think that I don't think he's that kind of manager I expect him to lay into them in some capacity and I think there'll be goals but I think Southampton will score as well so 2-2 for me Luke what do you reckon Um, I want to go 2-1 we're at home I think we'll take the game to them a bit more the handbrake will be released slightly so yeah, I want to go 2-1. Mace, what do you reckon? Yeah, I was going to say 2-1 as well. I think with Ward Prowse, they've got a, they can deliver a, you know, a decent ball into the box. I think today, I think it's Johnny Evans and maybe a couple of others that you know, had decent opportunities, a better header, and they, you know, they're testing the keeper. But yeah, I fancy us to, to bounce back a little bit. I think that... You know, it was clear for everyone to see how dull it was today, and I, I hope that they'll try and try and put that right at home. So yeah, two-one win. Good news then. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll get back on track. Obviously, we've, as I said before, we've got an international break coming up now, so hopefully they can go off, do what they need to do, and come back, if not with fresh legs, at least with fresh minds, and we can see something positive against Southampton. So we'll do Twitter corner before we say our goodbyes. Uh, we've had a few questions. Unsurprisingly, they're mostly about today's game. Um, right, okay. So Zafod Five or Tom Martin, are we capable of winning a game against a team that plays five at the back? It's astonishing how many times we lose when playing a team that matches up. Matt, is this a case of it's another one where teams who try and be more defensive against us that we just still struggling to really get through them? I think part of the issue is we. how often do we play through the centre of the pitch? Never. Mm-hmm. So all we're doing is, is, is playing it to our to our wingers or our, our fullbacks and trying to play along the wing. When you've got three in the middle that are, that are further stretched across than a, a traditional four at the back, play through the middle. You're going to have more pockets of space to play into. Um, and that's why I think if we played with a 10 
and had somebody like Raul and Traore able to actually, you know, how how many how for how often do we or pundits or anybody talk about Vardy playing off the shoulder of an attacker? Mm. You know what I mean? Play through the middle, get Traore to give him, you can give him two yards of space, three yards of space, and he'll still beat the man. Play through the middle against a team that play five at the back like that, and you will see more success. Yep, fair point. Um, were Wolves outclassed or outcoached? That's from Jeffrey S. Luke's got a big smile on his face. Which one do you reckon? Outclassed or outcoached? I don't think we was outclassed. Um, I think on the balance, neither. I think we had the, the, the better chances of the game, uh, the more clear-cut chances. I think we was outcoached. I think Rogers got his tactics spot on first half. Leicester always had a spare man in the hole in the middle of the park. Um, we was chasing shadows in midfield in the first half. Leicester dominated the game. It was like they had an extra player on the pitch. There's always somebody somebody free for a, for a pass just to pop it off to them. So I would say 10 out of 10, we were outcoached and fucked by VIR. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um we, we know with Nuna, like when we you look at the, the Leeds game, for example, you could see that we were struggling and it wasn't until he changed from having three in the middle and then he put um, Pedro Neto a bit further forward that the game changed. Should Nuno be setting the team up positively and going for it rather than trying to keep making tweaks during the game? It's a difficult one because... He sets up a certain way for a reason, and I've no doubt that he researches the opposition more so than probably most managers in the league. But I honestly, I do genuinely believe we're a good team, and we should be letting other teams worry about us more so than us worrying about them. And mm-hmm. I think Nuno is certainly a coach where he worries too much about the opposition and what and what they're going to do at times more so than saying, "Look, lads, this is how we're setting up." Go and do your thing, like because we're a good team, and it's like it's that handbrake. If he was to release a handbrake on this team, I think going forward we'd have potential to be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think. I think, I think go on, man. No, I was just because I think we are a bit too reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, That's... I think they follow they follow his instructions to the letter, don't they? You, you can see that. You, you can see that. So if he's telling them to dictate the tempo in a certain way and sit in and or attack or, you know, whatever, I genuinely believe that however we play is what he has said. So, yeah. I, I think we've, we've known, like, he's a very defensive, if he was a boxer, he'd be very defensive, wouldn't he? Like his guard would always be up and he'd just be trying to sneak in with the jab. But I think this team and they've got enough about them to go toe to toe with people mm. and I think sometimes especially as a fan and especially now we're not in the games it does become more about the entertainment side doesn't it because yeah. you're not in that match day experience anymore mm. and I think a few fans would be quite grateful if even if we come away and we'd lost 2-1 and there's like but you know what we went toe to toe with them and we, we run them ragged we, you know we, we pushed them all the way yeah, we've had a couple of questions in about Raul. Um, friend of the fan cast, Ash Dolan, is asking, 
is it a coincidence that his performances have dropped off since signing his contract? And Tyrone is asking, is Jimenez turning into Kane where he's dropping too far back? Is it a coincidence that Raul's contract seems to have coincided with a, a dip in form? Yeah. Not a, I think it's Do you think? I, I do, because, no, no, you know, yes, so look at it from this way. No player... No player wants to play badly. Nobody, nobody goes to work to do a bad job, right? Just be, you know, if he is playing badly, yes, he's going to earn that amount of money for that amount of con- that amount of time in his contract. But no player goes through and thinks, right, I'm not going to put in any more effort than than before because he'll still want his move to United or he'll still want his move somewhere else. He'll still want that, and. Not by by playing badly, he's never going to get that. I, I don't think it's to do with with a with a motivation at all. Mm. Is he is he dropping too deep? Should we be worried about him trying to be an all action centre forward rather than just being the striker that we know he is? Uh, you don't know what he's told to do, though, do you? For, for me, at times, for me at times, it just causes a bit of confusion when when he drops that deep because for me, he shouldn't be that deep all the time he wants to be involved with the game you can you can see that can't you he's sort of like he's like the shopkeeper and mr ben like on the pitch he just pops out, just pops up out of nowhere on your screen and he's like what, what are you doing on the left wing like how did he get there or you know he'll pop up next to neves and you're thinking i didn't even see him like slip into that position but i don't know is it what he's being told to do is it his own frustrations are they happy to see him there, Dendonka and Neves? Because it's somewhat, you know, they're being told to sit back. I, I don't know. I'd like to see him through the pitch, but you've got to get the ball to him then. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, he's going to come back. Yeah. Okay, we'll end it off then. I just want a one-word answer. It's a question from Colin Bayer, and he's asking, who have you got between Marcel or a postal truck? Who would you take? I think I'd be terrified to come up against a... Uh, is it Marcel or Marcel? I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right. Marcel. Yeah, he seems like he's a right sturdy bastard. I, I like him. He's a bit old school. Uh, Luke, who, who do you reckon would win? A truck or Marcel? I'm not even going to say Marcel because <laughs> he had done enough. He had done enough for the club to deserve that sort of banter that he's a beast. Yet, so a truck. A truck would just kill him, crush his skull, and COVID would go down on his death certificate. <laughs> Mate, I don't know how I follow that really. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I should have come to Luke last, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, dear. I'll go with Marcel. Right. And Matt? Chuck's going to brush past him. The air caused by it is going to injure him because of his old frail age. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so that's us done for a week. Um, I say for a week, it's for a fortnight. So there'll be uh, no normal episode of the Fancast next week. We are working on something. Um, if we get a chance to get it out, obviously, it'll appear in your feed as we're expected. All busy. Yes, it's you know, all this. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough life right now. <laughs> Let's say me, me and Matt are genuinely busy because we do have another podcast that we need to record and plenty of films to watch. Well, it's just something else to do during lockdown. We've got to watch these films and then dissect them. Don't try and make me, Luke, feel guilty. (laughs) You're always welcome. 
You are always welcome to come on and chat shit about films anytime. I don't even watch films. I've never even watched the Star Wars. I've never watched Grease. I've never watched Harry Potter. I've never watched Lord of the Rings. I've never watched a Marvel film. I you watched... don't watch films. That's a film fan. I watch real life stuff. I watch football and porn because I'm a bloke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you listed all these big name films and one of them was fucking Greece. Greece. <laughs> ah, but... Oh, what a miss. But Greece is one of them films where people, you've never watched Greece? Sound like Dirty Dancing? Never watched it. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so um, if you want to join myself and Matt on Cage Fighting, Obviously, come over and we'll chat films anytime. Can I ask a question? Yep. Why is it called Cage Fighting if it's about films? Uh, it's about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage what? is like the 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 star of of the, uh, the the picture pods, as we call them. So we watch uh, Nicolas Cage films every other week. Oh, now. Some are horrific <laughs> and some are amazing fun. <laughs> you got a podcast dedicated to. He's a fantastic actor, by the way. But to Nicolas Cage. Well, the, w- once you do Nicolas Cage, we're going to move on. Like we, we're talking about, like Jason Statham or something, maybe. We just want someone who's a one, bit playful. Do one for Ron Jeremy. <laughs> isn't it, I'm sure I read the other day he's in jail now, isn't he? Uh, yeah, for like sex offences or something. Well, I mean, I suppose if he's going to get to jail. <laughs> 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 right so anyway uh, that's that's the fan cast done for a week it's goodbye from chris take care goodbye from luke see you later it's goodbye from matt take it easy guys and it's goodbye from me and we'll see you soon This is what renting furniture with Feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at livefeather.com.